Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanten, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I have two amazing guests on the show today. First up, we have Drew Sador from The Real Houses of Atlanta. Drew stops by to break down that mid-season trailer, which I think looks fantastic. I think the second half of this season of The Real Housewives of Atlanta is going to be fantastic. Uh, and Drew is wonderful. I can't wait for you guys to hear our chat because I just fell uh, in love with her. She was amazing. So, uh, after that, I also have Trixie Mattel, who's a Drag Race All-Star winner of, I believe, season three of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star. Also a singer, songwriter, comedian, author. Trixie's fantastic, and Trixie's watching Housewives, so we're going to talk Housewives. All of that good stuff, you guys. I'll put the timestamp in the episode description so you can skip ahead 
to either of those interviews if you're interested. Anyway, you guys, I want to say that our traditional recaps will be doing the full podcast recaps very soon. But sometimes it's nice to take a little break and have some guests on the show. Uh, these interviews I will try to put on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one, but they will probably be up a few days after this uh, episode airs on the podcast feed. So the video interviews will be up within a week after uh, this podcast episode drops. So I hope you all listen on the podcast and enjoy these chats. Uh, you can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys, I'm so, so excited about The Real House of Atlanta second half of the season. This week, I was enjoying so much. It was post-Bolo, but I was still enjoying it. And I was laughing so much. There were so many funny things. That, that one moment of Cynthia where they did a close-up of her foot and Noelle was like, uh, or said something about her foot being ashy. And Cynthia was like, she's like, well, now I know they're going to close up on my foot. And then they did. <laughs> oh, it made me laugh. And there was that whole moment between Drew and Portia where they were just talking about margarine, uh, margarine on their uh, muffin. I loved it. Could have watched it for hours. Loved it. They were making me laugh this week. Uh, but you guys, uh, I hope you enjoy this chat with Drew Sedora. It's a good one. Oh, I want to play a little clip from the mid-season trailer where Drew alleges that Latoya's hooking up with the pastor. Now, I know it's not stated in the trailer, and I have no reason to believe that this to be the case, but what if, what if the pastor was Giselle's pastor from the Real House of the Potomac? Could you imagine that crossover? Ah, you guys, that would be a crossover for the ages. Um, Okay, so I'm going to play a little clip, and then we'll get right into the chat with Drew. Praying on the prophet. Wait, so they have like a whole relationship? We have no relationship. Latoya is a pastor. You weren't looking for God. You were looking for some dick. Bitch. Drew, I have so much I want to talk to you about. How are you Let's doing? First, go. Of all? Let's go. I'm good. You know, I'm in Atlanta. The sun is shining. We're quarantining still. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Right. Kids in virtual school. It's a roller coaster ride. But um, my husband and I are doing good. True. I just saw the mid-season trailer. Literally <laughs> moments before I'm waiting to talk to you. I was just watching with my headphones on. Are you serious? It just came out. I um, haven't seen it. Yeah, as of this recording, it just came out and it looks so good. Drew. What is you- going on? There's a, Drew, there's a moment where you talk, you're telling LaToya, you say, you're not looking for God, you're looking for dick or something along those lines. <laughs> it is my, I'm going to write it on okay. a pillow. It's my new catchphrase. I love it. You are killing me right now. My heart is beating so fast. I'm sweating. I didn't know it dropped. I haven't seen it. Um, so this is news to me, but yeah, I did say that. Um, and I, I guess there's so much there. There, There's so much that I'm you're going to see. It, it goes really deep. And Latoya, you're going to see who she really is. And it gets disgusting, Danny. Like, it gets disgusting. That's all I can say. That it, it, I would never speak that way. But what she does, let me tell you, not only affected me, it affected my family. And it affected the whole Christian religion. Let's just say that. And you can't tell me what she did or allegedly did. I can't. You know I can't, but I want to so bad. But I got to try to. I got to try. <laughs> but I will say this. You know, what you see of her, like, you know, I think people are seeing her for who she is. And I think as you continue to watch, 
she's going to just continue. Those layers are going to continue to come down because you can only pretend to be something for so long. You're not, she's not being authentic. And I have said from the beginning, the girl is caboodles to me. I don't know who she is or what she stands for, but that's why we don't connect. Um, Initially, I didn't know. I was like, this girl's coming for me hard. Like, I I saw when she was talking about me before we even really met and I was like, wow, but it speaks a lot to her character and it speaks to a lot of what you'll see coming up. What do you think it was when she first met you? Do you think it had anything to do with you specifically or was she just coming in to, to have some moments on the show? She was a fan. What can I say? Mm -hmm. I mean, she was, um, single white female, kind of stalkerish, I feel like, but she definitely has been watching me for many years before I ever knew who Toya never, never was. I never knew of her, but she had been watching me and she continues to watch me. Um, And so I chop her up as a fan, which I love my fans and I'm thankful to have her as a fan. And that's what I think of her. Hopefully her headshot that I gifted her with is hanging in her room on her wall. That's I need to I get one say. of those headshots for my office because I too have been watching you, not in a creepy way, but I want to talk about step up the game, all of that stuff in a minute. Um, yeah. But uh, we also see you in that mid-season trailer, sit down with Kenya and you two seem to just be at uh, at a head. Um, what's going on with you in Kenya? I hate it. I really hate it because I mean, she's beautiful. Let, let me just put it out there. I am not someone that hates on women. Um, I uplift women of color because I am a black woman. And so coming into this and especially coming off of Black Lives Matters, I was excited to meet Kenya. I was excited to meet all the ladies. They're all beautiful. They're all successful. And they've done amazing things with their platforms. Um, and I was disappointed that we couldn't connect ever. And I didn't know why until I watched the show back and saw that she was throwing shade at me and talking shit about me before she even met me. And that was hurtful because I was really hoping to connect genuinely with all of the women understanding you're not going to get along with everybody, but I mean, she just kept coming for me and I tried to resolve it. I, and you will see, tried to connect with her. I tried to talk to her. I tried to take her out to dinner. I literally tried everything. And, you know, I don't know what the issue is. She's just mad. And I don't know why, you know, you would have to ask her. I, I don't know why the anger and, um, you know, coming for me has been her main focus point for this whole season. <laughs> we do see, not to give you another spoiler for that trailer here, I keep bringing it up, but we do see you say that you want to split the bill at the restaurant. You guys are leaving the restaurant and you say, we're going to split the bill. And so I just wonder, this is maybe a little too insidery, but doesn't Bravo pay the bill for the dinner or did you guys not all dinners, bill? not all dinners. Okay. <laughs> not all dinners. Okay. I learned that I would have thought that cause I'm an actress and yeah, they, on set, they give us craft service and they give us meals and they do other things. <laughs> this is, this is real life. And like, I know someone was asking me about like edits and things. I'm like, no, like Bravo gets the story across whatever we do. They hold us damn accountable because they are not chopping this up to add things and put them in different places. It's like, Oh yeah, that's what happened. I can't deny it. Um, so yeah, I took her out to dinner and that was so I'm glad you saw that I can speak to it. Um, I, I invited her out to dinner, Danny. I you was tried like, to okay. make it work. I tried. That was me giving it a good try. And she like goes off on me, you know, and, and then she tries to take the bill. And I'm like, well, hold on. I'm not a cheap bitch. I can pay my own way. I can pay my own little food. And that, yeah. So I guess that's what you saw. Oh, <laughs> Don't try to buy me. Don't try to buy me. She says, then she, then she says in her confessional in the trailer, she says, uh, 
broke. I don't want to, I don't want to misspeak, but she said something like broke people split checks or something like, so then she throws you more shade in the confessional. I'm sorry. I w- yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Well, I wasn't going to pay for her meal. Cause we're not friends. Um, you know, I cover my friends bills, but we're not friends. So uh, what are we talking about girl? Well, the, the honest, honestly, I really believe it looks explosive. And I was already so excited to talk to you because I need to get into the bolo of it all. I mean, Drew, I, that was like the greatest episode of maybe one of the greatest episodes of housewives across any franchise of all time. Did you, first of all, did you watch housewives before joining the show? did but before i actually like once i got on the show um i actually went back to season one because i really wanted to catch up on everything and really get to know the ladies and and just learn the dynamics so yeah i had watched from season one and i was very familiar with all the dynamics so (laughs) yes after that bolo episode after that happened in real life was there a sense amongst the cast like holy shit that was a lot that's going to be a good episode or does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I saw a lot of stuff happen. (laughs) I saw a certain somebody who was real thirsty with her tongue out looking for something to lick. Um, That same person ended up throwing up in my toilet. Um, Was it LaToya? Is that who you're saying? LaToya? I was very nervous for her. I was like, Oh God, like she is just ruining her whole everything in this moment. So I was more so like, look, I've never been to a bachelorette party. I had a lot of fun. I learned some new tricks to bring home to my husband. Um, And all the ladies were actually getting along. Now, what I saw LaToya doing, I was like, oh God, yeah, that's going to be really bad if they show that. (laughs) And so so, uh, they didn't show everything, but yeah, she embarrassed herself. And that's when I think a lot of the ladies got to see kind of more so of who she is. But um, amongst everyone else, I just felt like we had a good time when Kenya started to say all of this stuff. I didn't know where it was coming from. Cause I myself didn't see that. I don't think she saw it either. I think she's just throwing these accusations around to tear down another black woman, unfortunately. So do we know that somebody from the cast actually did sleep with Bolo? I don't know that that's what I'm right. trying to figure out right. because right. I'm like, well, maybe something happened that I'm not aware of because I honestly, no one said to me anything and said, well, don't say anything or, you know, I'm embarrassed, not, nothing of the sort. And no one was acting awkward and weird. So I thought it was just Kenya being Kenya and just making it up and being who she is, you know, um, stirring the pot a little bit, stirring the pot. Exactly. What did your husband Ralph make of the episode? What did he think of Bolo, the Bolo of it all? I know. Right. Um, (laughs) Well, because I was honest with my husband and I pretty much laid it all out, um, he already was understanding what he was going to see. And I had already told him it initially when I told him, he, of course, wasn't the happiest. He was kind of like, you know, but he couldn't say anything. I was like, I didn't know what you were doing in Tampa. And my reason for being so open with him is to show you know, you can be transparent as long as we're honest and transparent with each other. I feel like we can get through anything. Um, and that's what I believe in. And that's what I did. So when he saw it, of course, he was looking, he was looking to catch me doing something, but it was nothing. There it was everything I told him. So he was like, all right, you know, glad you have fun. <laughs> uh, I Drew, I really thought it was so refreshing. Uh, most of the cast really was being so sex positive, which is rare on television, I believe. It seemed like you guys were having a good time. Uh, and for the most part, everyone was like, we had a good time. This is what happened. 
you know, you mentioned like a coffee table situation, but um, <laughs> I thought it was really refreshing. However, uh, for the most part, everyone seems so uh, sex positive about it all. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think everyone was like super confident. Um, and that's one thing about women. When we come together and we link up and we have fun, we can do amazing things and it really can help you build self-confidence. We were all uplifting each other, feeling sexy. They were rooting me on to my twerking. So I think it was genuinely just like a great moment of sisterhood. And yeah, I think that's why people are like, there's no judgment. It was supposed to be no judgment. Who was the, excuse my language. This is a direct quote from the episode, but Cynthia had mentioned there was a titty that fell in someone's mouth. Excuse my language. Who's, do you know what she was referring to? Okay. So real story. Um, I was in my room because after the crew left, I went in my room. I thought we were done. I was tired. So I called my husband and I was in the room talking to him when Cynthia was out there. When I came out, because I was like, well, you haven't really hung out with the girls. It sounds like they're still turning up. Go hang out with them. When I went out, it was like, like Cynthia said, we were trains like in the middle of the night. We missed each other because when Cynthia was there, I wasn't there. And then when I came out, Cynthia had left. So I don't know what Cynthia saw. I didn't see that. Oh my God. Uh, Drew, you've been a successful actress for years and years and years. Were you nervous to get into the space of reality TV? Because it is so different than the scripted world. Uh, How did you feel about that? Yeah, it is completely different. I guess for me, it was just like, you know, I, I do movies, I do TV, and I'm always playing these amazing characters, but I've never been able to really show my fans and, and people who I am as just a person, the good, the bad, the ugly, my humanistic side, um, the mistakes I may make, you know, just just really the things that I stand for. And so I thought that this would be great to just allow me to be vulnerable, um, especially after the whole year we had with 2020. It was like, we're quarantining. I had three Achilles rupture surgeries. And my mom was living with us. So why not? Why not open up and share this journey? Um, And so I was really excited to just do that. And of course, meet um, and make new friendships. But um, I did not know how it goes. So that anniversary dinner that you saw, I was thoroughly embarrassed with my husband's behavior. I got up from the table and I was like, cut, I'm done. And I went to take off my mic. And the difference that I learned on day one was like, when you say cut, usually it's a wrap, right? Well, and this time, like the cameras follow me into my bedroom. So I was like, oh, you're still here. <laughs> and they caught, they're not done. So there are no duns. There are no cuts. Yeah, it just is what it is. And so once I learned that, I was like, oh, this is really real. Like <laughs> That was intense to see on TV. And did you ever figure out um, the situation in Tampa? What Any more information about that? Um, well, we're in marriage counseling. And what I learned was that it was more important to focus on the why he left Mm -hmm. than the what he did. So the why was, um, I guess, you know, in counseling, you learn a lot of in growth and about childhood. A lot of things that you experience in your childhood, you kind of bring into your present. It's called baggage. And so when he was younger, he ran away from home um, when his mom, you know, when he lived with his mom and it was when he didn't feel appreciated. And that mm. is his go-to. That is what he's programmed to do is to run away. And so 
It was less about him doing it to me, more about his triggers, more about him needing to heal the childhood trauma that he experienced. And that once I understood it um, and dealing with COVID and he was at a breaking point, being my nurse, my mom living with us, it was a lot for him. And some people can choose drugs, alcohol, whatever. He chose the beach. That was how it was explained to me. And with that, I received it. And now we're working on his trauma, my issues, and just trying to grow and be better individually so we can be good together. It must be hard watching it all back. I mean, especially those episodes. I mean, that must have been tough. Yeah. Yeah. I cried. I cried. I'm not going to cry no more. I cried. Did he Um, feel like, did he watch it and say, man, I, I screwed up or did he watch it? And what was his reaction to it? Well, at first it was like, why did you, well, you made me leave, you know? And then honestly, I didn't think that (laughs) I'm mad at him now. (laughs) True. <laughs> well, that was the truth. I'm always going to yeah, keep yeah, it real. Yeah. That was that was what he said. That's how he felt. Um, and like the good thing about all of it, it's bittersweet, of course. But the marriage counseling has been helping us because um, it forced him to take accountability. Um, and he even under had to. I think he needed to understand his own triggers. You know, so oftentimes in life we don't deal with our own stuff, and we always want to point the finger. And like, I am so thankful. You know what I mean? Mm. Because we have been putting our issues on the back burner for so long, but once you um, start arguing in front of your kids and then you start arguing in front of all of America, that's when you know there's a real issue. And so I'm thankful that he was committed to the relationship to even do the work because now he's discovering things about himself and he can say like, well, yeah, I wasn't perfect then and I made these mistakes and I'm just trying to do better as a husband now. You know, I feel like I'm super, I was just super tough on Ralph, but I do want to say he's a beautiful man. Like he's a gorgeous, Good. he's <laughs> yeah, he's really a hot man. <laughs> I, I appreciate and accept the tough love from everybody. Like, and I think for him too, you know, he reads the comments, he sees what's being said. And he is someone that really his intention, because he's very layered, you know, mm-hmm. but his intention is to do for others. He will give the back off of his shirt, you know, to someone in need. He's a licensed life coach. He's an entrepreneur. He's super, super brilliant. He's smart and he's good to look at. So, you know, all those things make for a great man that I love. I hope everyone else continues to get to know him because you'll see why I married him. Um, How you met him is actually how I met him. I met the asshole of my husband. So I knew what I was getting, but I also saw the potential in him. And I think now we're doing the work um, for each of us to reach our, our highest potential, you know, and that's what life is about. Just trying to be better. We just want the best for you, Drew. I was watching those episodes and, you know, we're all just, we want the best for you and always. Um, Drew, I got to talk about Step Up because I love Step Up. Um, Yay! And you're you're amazing (laughs) in it. Uh, You're so good. What do you remember from that experience? I mean, that's an iconic movie. I mean, come on. So many things. So one exciting thing, because I'm a huge fan of Sierra, but Sierra was actually up for that role as well. So it was really big for me because a lot of people may or may not know, I grew up dancing my entire life. Um, I was trained in hip hop, ballet, jazz, all of that. And so getting an opportunity to land that role. I got to work with some of the most amazing choreographers in the business, uh, working with Channing Tatum, He's Jenna cool. Dewan. Channing <laughs> is like my, one of my number ones. I know, you know, I love him. And that was, I think the first movie, it was around that time where I was like, this man is stunning looking. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. And he, his personality and everything is exactly that because you got to understand he was still up and coming when we did step up and none of us knew if it was going to be big or not. So it was just like, all right, we're super humble. We're just excited to do this little Disney movie, hoping that they'll love what we do. And he just really wanted to be great, but he can dance like He's an incredible actor. And I got to witness their love story because it was like Jenna would be over here like, oh my God, he's so hot, he's cute. And then he was telling uh, Domain, who's another friend of ours, um, who played his best friend, like, yeah, my guy is filling your girl. So we were kind of instrumental in, in putting them together. So when you watch that movie, it was a real love story happening on and off camera. So were you able, awesome did you see the magic Mike movies and were you able to watch them <laughs> and just see how hot he was in those movies? Okay. I did. But okay. he used to walk around with his shirt off on set all the time. Like he Bless. loved showing off his body and just been like, yeah, look at all of this, you know? And so that's, he, I was like, this is the perfect movie for you because you like to get naked anyway. So <laughs> God bless him. God, I love him so much. And he just does seem like a nice he just seems like a nice, genuinely nice man. And he oftentimes, is. as you've worked with the million of these actors, I feel like sometimes they're maybe not. Uh, you're you're right. And I can tell you that even when we wrapped the film, he was still available. Like, hey, let's go grab food and, oh, let's have a party at my house. Let's play some games and play cards. So it was like he just wasn't there to do a job. He was there being himself and connecting with people. And I think that that's, you don't meet that all the time. So that was one of those rare moments that we really built a, a real friendship. You know, I saw on Twitter, you were tweeting with Kiki Palmer, who you did the TLC movie with, and you were brilliant. You guys were brilliant in that movie with uh, Lil Mama was the other. It was, um, yes. You guys were so good in that movie. Uh, it was great. Were you a TLC fan before all of that? Thank you. Yes, was I? Yeah, I mean, okay, who was it? I thought, who it? I who was it? And I thought I was T-Boz when I was younger. Like, I got to find these pictures. I was in a girl group and I even cut my hair short like her. I promise you I will find it and I'm going to DM you. I'm going to send it Please. to you. Um, because I, you couldn't tell me I wasn't her. I even used to, um, we did like the TLC creep video. My friends and I bought silk pajamas and we put ourselves on tape doing the moves. So when I got the role, I was just like, well, this is meant to be, I've been being her my whole life. And we're both Tauruses and we connected so real, but, um, that role I felt was made for me. I was just meant to be her, not only bring T-Boz to the screen, but also bring Tian Watkins, which a lot of us didn't know because I learned so much about her, her having sickle cell and like being sick after shows and then being broke. It was just so amazing to learn, you know, so much about them, but that by far was my most challenging role. You guys also had such great chemistry in that. I remember it was, you know, obviously you're playing this legendary group that's supposed to have chemistry, but how did you guys get, did you work together a lot before rolling or how did you guys sort of get the chemistry down? It just snapped in. It happened. Well, Kiki Palmer's from Chicago. So when we met instantly, it was just like, sis, like, what's good? Um, and then little mama, she's such a beautiful spirit. Uh, we really, truly formed a sisterhood. And I think that that just translated, you know, through the camera, you could feel that we would hang out on and off camera, but there was a real connection there. And love, we really yeah. wanted to do a good job. I love when you said on Atlanta House, since you're from Chicago, I lived in Chicago before uh, I live in Los Angeles now, but I'm from Ohio. I lived in Chicago for some years. I love Chicago. So I love when you said Midwest, that. Like, yeah, right. Midwest, 
Midwest, uh, you understand. Yeah, I, I got that I Midwest it. connection. Chicago's a beautiful city. Um, as you know, Harold's Chicken, right. Garrett's Popcorn, Lakeshore Drive. It's just got so much to offer. And we really are good people. A lot of our people oh, yeah. came and migrated from the South. So we're very cultured um, mm-hmm. and we like to have fun, but we don't hold back our opinions. Um, and we right. have a lot to say. <laughs> I'm Italian and Chicago has the best Italian food. Yes, you know, absolutely. Uh, we do. Um, absolutely. Okay. Uh, back to the TLC movie. What was your favorite uh, TLC song? Uh, okay. Scrubs. No scrubs. Yeah. So, but okay. Scrubs. Drew, mm-hmm. isn't that weird that you're with Candy? I mean, I interviewed Candy a few <laughs> weeks back or a couple of months now. Uh, and it was so amazing. Some people got mad at me on this podcast because we we spent like an hour talking about her career because she's done all of these legendary songs. And some people were mad. They were, I was getting DMs like, you didn't even talk about Atlanta Housewives. I'm like, I have candy fucking bursts on the show. I'm going to be talking about uh, no scrubs, about all of her work. Um, so much. But so, so is much. that was that weird then? Now you're working with Candy who wrote that song and you were in the movie about that. Yeah. So I met, I had an opportunity to meet Candy. She came to the TLC premiere in New York and we actually took a picture on the red carpet. So I had that run in with her and she was super cool. Um, but honestly, like meeting her again on RHOA, I was really nervous. I don't know what happened. Like all the other girls, I was like excited, but I was probably the most nervous to meet her because I had studied you know, TLC so much. And Tion had spoken, you know, so many incredible things about her that I was just like, she's amazing. Like she is what I strive to become. And uh, being in her presence, I'm like, I turn into a sponge or student because I'm just soaking up, you know, because anything she says she wants to do, she puts her mind to, she does it. And not only that, but what her and her husband have been able to come together and accomplish. Mm -hmm. I'm like, girl, I'm inspired. I'm just inspired to be in your presence sometimes. Um, We're both Tauruses. So it's just like, you know, I really feel connected to her. She's a legend. And I think oftentimes Housewives fans forget all that she's contributed to pop culture. And uh, yeah. yeah, she's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I did ask some people in the Everything Iconic Patreon some questions. And Megan Vincent wanted to know about the game. And I think they're doing a, a game reboot for Paramount Plus. Is that right? Or have, have you heard anything? I heard that. Um, what I know so far is that they're going to bring new cast members in. I think they may have some of the older cast members in, but they're going to do something. And I think it's going to be based out of LA or something. That's Mm. what the trades were saying. Um, and my agent, we were talking about it. So we'll see. I mean, if they call me back, right. Oh yeah. I, I would pop in in a heartbeat. They actually called me to do, I think they did like a reunion episode and I couldn't do it. I, I had just delivered my now five-year-old Makai. So we're family, you know, shout out to Mara, Braca Kill and Salim. They held me down. Mara actually has known me since I was a little girl. I was like eight. And she said that I told her I wanted to be a big actress. And so she never forgot that. And when I booked girlfriends, she was so proud of me for, you know, sticking to my craft that that's how I got written into the game. So I am forever grateful for that experience. And yes, anytime Mara Brockett Kill calls me, I will be there. What would you like? Where would you like to see that character now? 
You know, I really, and, and this was something we wanted to do before the show um, was, was canceled, was um, Mar wanted to have a conversation between Drew Sedora and Melanie and to have us sit down and talk about our perspectives and really be able to heal. Um, because the last thing you saw was us going back to, you know, back and forth. You took my man. I didn't know nothing about you, blah, 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 blah. So to be able to have two Black women come together, I think would be powerful, especially during this time. And that's something she wanted to do. And I think it would be awesome. Uh, you know, we're talking about all these roles. Do you have a favorite? Is there a favorite project you've done uh, out of all this stuff in the in terms of scripted? You know, I really love all my characters. I would say for sure, White Chicks was one of the funniest dang old movies I've ever done in my life um, because they wrote me in that script. I auditioned to play Marlon's wife and they're like, okay, you look too young. It'll look like he's a pedophile. So they wrote me in it, but really Keenan was so amazing. He was like, you're so funny, just go do your thing. So most of my parts, which made it into the film were like improv, you know, or Keenan giving me a joke and me just, you know, going with it. So I learned so much from them, but like it was jokes all the time on set. Terry Crews, I mean, everybody was stupid hilarious. So that goes down in history of like all time best fun projects ever. I feel like there aren't (laughs) enough, there aren't enough like silly movies now. It's like they're, you know, the comedies we get, I I don't know. There was this movie called Barb and Star that came out a week or two ago and it was so silly and it made me (laughs) just want more, just especially right now, everything's so heavy. I'm like, I want some just silly comedies. We, well, I have a movie that's coming oh, out. Tell me it's about called, it. Yes, it's called White People Money. And I did it in Chicago, so it's a must watch. But it is a funny, stupid movie. It's about the stereotype of white people money and what we think it is. And in the hood in Chicago, you know, if black people win a bunch of billions of dollars, you can't tell your mama, you can't tell your people because you're not going to be able to keep your billions of dollars. So it's a play on the stereotype that, we all know and think of wealth or white people's money. And it's, it's just stupid, really. It's, so it's, how do, we when can we see that? It. I need it right now, Drew. I know, right? I will let you know. It's, it's dropping soon. I know the trailer just dropped. So okay. Okay. coming to a theater or, you know. We'll see it. Netflix. Yeah, we'll follow you on You'll social media and we'll get it. Um, yes. What can you tell me about what's coming up on the season of Atlanta? <laughs> Jesus. It looks good. It's a, it was so much. It was just like, I, I, you can't write this stuff. The things that ended up happening. So I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you. We know that you and Latoya are not good. We know that you and Kenya are not good. Are you good with, you're good with Candy, right? I'm amazing with Candy, yes. You're good with Cynthia? That's my ride or die. Okay, who else do, Who else am I missing? Um, Portia's my girl. Portia, we love Portia. She's the best. We love Portia. She's the best. Who that's, doesn't love Portia? That's, that's, who doesn't? Uh, what about Marlo? Mar- <laughs> yeah, Kenya. What about Marlo? Um, you know, I love Misa Marlo. She is fabulous. She's very real. Um, you know, she gets along with Kenya. So I feel like she was trying her best to just be cool, but it, it, it was difficult. And I felt like it's time she felt like she was in the middle. And, but I love Marlo. Like, I really hope we can continue to grow our friendship. Cause you she's think a the Kenya one. thing is real? Her and Kenya, do you think that relationship is, or just? I don't understand it. I was confused because I know I wanted to see them come together. Um, mm-hmm. I was definitely an advocate for that. Marlo was really hurt. So I am happy if Marlo is happy. 
if it's real good for her, I just hope that it doesn't bite her later on. Right. Uh, okay. I want to run through some of these questions real quick that people wrote in. Julia Barrett says, is your mom still living with you? <laughs> Mommy is back in Chicago, uh, but she did leave some things in her room. So I am guessing she'll be returning at some point. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Um, let's see. Megan Vincent, Megan Vincent said, are you devastated by Channing and Jenna's divorce as we all were? I am super sad. You know, I don't like divorce. I really don't. And I know how much they loved each other and how attracted they were to each other. And they're both amazing. Um, But if they did what they needed to do to be happy, as long as they're happy, then that's what's most important. That one hit me hard, Drew. I don't know. You know, some celebrity breakers are like, man, I don't even know these people. And I was like (laughs) upset about it. I was like, well, I kind of helped, you know, kind of had a little bit something to do, a small part. So I was like, maybe I should like call them and like, see if I can get them back. I was like, it's not my business, Drew. I love it. Worry about your own marriage. I love (laughs) it. Um, Megan Regal, this is interesting. Were you in a play with Noelle's dad, Leon? was okay. I was actually in a couple of plays with Leon for some weird reason he's always like my love interest and so he's handsome that's how too I mean Leon's hot we like Leon too yeah they love Leon like when we step out on stage and he's there I gotta just wait a while and let everybody just clap and scream before I say my line I'm like yeah you know because he's just so <laughs> cool but yeah I did a couple of plays with him most recently set it off where I played Stoney, he was uh, my love interest in that. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Drew, anything else you want to clear up from this season of Atlanta? You want to tell the fans either clearing up or or, uh, what do you want to leave people with? I mean, I just want to say I am someone who is all about finding understanding. We don't have to agree. I'm a girl that is going to hold her friends accountable. And at the end of the day, you know, people want to say, well, Kenya and Drew and Kenya and Drew, I am just here for the truth. And I'm here for people holding each other accountable. And I was really genuinely wanting to get to know her and build some sort of relationship. So what you'll see is that, and that's my true intention in my heart. And I just hope that people can see that and know that I am here for women empowerment, you know, women supporting each other, uplifting each other. Um, I am not here. Yeah. I'm not about tearing down another woman, whether they're going through a breakup, marriage, whatever, because I have been and lived it and I'm sharing it. So who am I to judge anybody? I'm not perfect, but that's really it. Well, I'm glad we're getting all the cast together because I personally felt the beginning of the season was a little slow and boring, but then we got to the Bolo (laughs) episode and I feel like it's full steam ahead. And now, uh, we're, we're on track. Um, Drew, I ask all my guests the next a couple of questions. Uh, do you have a favorite Mariah Carey song? I'm a huge Mariah fan, so I like to ask everyone. Mariah Carey. Yeah, Mariah goes. I, you know, I sing to Mariah Carey all the time. So, I mean, you can just put her album in and ride it out. I usually clean up to her album. So, I'm a huge Mariah Carey fan. Can we see you working on music? Are you going to work on some music now with Candy? Why don't we see you and Candy do a song? I asked Candy. I was like, Candy, hey. Can you write something for me? And she was like, I think she wants to know if I'm serious because her being such a serious songwriter and and, and passionate about her music, I feel like I have to prove myself, which I'm all here for because 
my music never took off in a way that I thought it would or hoped it would. So I'm glad you asked me about it because I have now been back in the studio working on stuff. I'm a little nervous, but I just had a song placed in the new Master P movie. So I feel like that kind of reignited that passion and amazing, I'm excited. Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. So, That's exciting. I, you. I, you know, I, I can't wait to hear more. Uh, Finally, if you were choosing Sexiest Man Alive for People Magazine, who would you choose? His name. Oh, that's what I was going to say. No, it's got to be someone. It's got to be like another, even though actually I would probably choose Ralph. (laughs) Like he's gorgeous, but you got to choose someone else. That is hard. And you're going to get, he's trying to get me in trouble. I know. Um, That's what we do here on podcasts, Drew. Who else is there? Look, you can see I have all eyes on my husband. Cause I'm like, well, who else is there? Uh, <laughs> we'll say I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we'll say Channing Tatum for you because, you know, we're just going to say him. Let's go with that. Yeah. He's, he's all around talented, sexy, funny. So I would nominate him. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was such a delight to meet you. I've enjoyed watching you and I'm so excited for the rest of the season. I want to encourage all of our listeners to follow Drew on social media. Your handle is, uh, what is at it? Drew Sidora, at, at Drew Sidora, D-R-E-W-S-I-D-O-R-A. We will all follow you and we look forward to seeing more. I want to tell everyone, if you're watching this interview on YouTube, go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, and then uh, you can get our merch at everythingiconic.store. Drew, thank you. This was such a delight. What what a pleasure. Hopefully I'll meet you soon in person. I love your throwback uh, memes, by the way. Just wanted to let you know. I love a throwback. (laughs) I'm going to put, when I post this, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little step up uh, throwback in there. Please do. I was, I was looking at your song in there and I was just, I had totally forgot your, you singing in this movie. Like it, it was amazing. It is. It's time for music. It's coming. It's coming. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. 
Now, y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in LA. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, They just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, And also, you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman, and passes us savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, Again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. I'm here with the one and only Trixie Mattel. Trixie, I got your book right here. Um, I'm if only so, you could read. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm such a fan. How are you doing today? I'm so good. I'm so happy you asked me to be here, Danny Pellegrino from, from Everything's Iconic. It's my absolute pleasure, Trixie. I have so many questions. First, though, I talk a lot of Bravo on my show, and I got to ask you, you're watching Salt Lake City right now and Beverly Hills. Is that right? I'm going through a lot. I'm going through a lot, which is I've been with my boyfriend for four and a half years. David watches. um, He's a a film producer in the real world, but in his free time, he watches pretty much every Bravo franchise. And so over his shoulder, you know, for several years, I might be, you know, choking on the dick and then look up and be like, what did she say? So like, I do get half invested, you know, and I used to not really know the know the name. So I'd be like, he'd be like, what is her name? I'd be like, mm, that's Carla. That's skinny. That's pokey. And that's, that's Dorito. Like I didn't really know their name. So I just kind of have my own names. But then um, I working on a project where I had to drum up a little more than that. Like as far as like knowledge of the franchise. So I watched Potomac, the newest season completely. I watched New York, the newest season completely, uh, Atlanta, the newest season completely. Um, and now I'm watching Beverly Hills from the beginning. So I'm on season four and I've seen all of Salt Lake City as well. Okay. So tell me, let's start with Salt Lake City. What do you, what do you think? Salt Lake City is the first one you've actually watched from the beginning. So what is that like for you? Well, that's what got me into it because I said, well, finally, here's one that I can watch that I'm not going to like miss anything. 
Because I don't like feeling dumb. So if I react to something on screen, I don't want someone to say, oh, well, she didn't used to be like that. It's like, okay, well, I don't know that. Right. Same reason I'm not watching Wanda, WandaVision because I haven't seen all the super, movies. Super, super guy, whatever the mo- those movies are, you know? Right. Right. I only watched uh, Wonder Woman 1984 and I watch it like this. That movie, oh. I didn't like it. I didn't like Wonder Woman at all. It was fine. Yeah, it was but fine. I love Salt Lake City. Um, I love it. I think it's one of the best ones. Who do you like on it? Who's your favorite? Heather Gay owns my whole titties, balls, and ass. Me too. Me too. Um, It's very clunky because um, I I like the sound of Meredith's voice. I'm not engaging. Um, Yeah, I'm disengaging. I'm disengaging. And (laughs) it's so funny because more than any other series, they really are pretending like Mary is friends with these girls. Right. Yeah. You can't tell me. That Whitney and Olivia have a connection when they're like, we've always had a connection. I'm like, okay. Uh, Mary did the whole season from her closet. Right. What do you think? (laughs) Get real. Like at least in the other franchises, you do believe that these people hang out on Salt Lake city. I do not believe these people hang out. No, I think there's pockets. Like I do think Lisa and um, Meredith hang out uh, and Heather and Whitney, uh, they're obviously cousins, but you're right. Mary has no connection to the gals. And, but I, I, to me, there's like some sort of weird value to Mary being in her closet all the time. Like I found it funny by the end that we're like, just always watching her in that fucking closet. Like I love that. I also like that in Salt Lake city, rich means name brands. So it's just name brand, name brand, everything. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And then on top of that, I also love that, um, I love all these personalities. I love the looming religious shit. I don't think there's other franchises where people are simultaneously breaking their own Mormon laws and judging each other for breaking Mormon laws. You know, a divorce is like a hanging in this community. It's like a public shaming. It's really a lot. It's really, really a lot. And um, even like the gens, like half the time I'm like, wow, Gen Shaw is crazy. But on the other hand, I'm like, Maybe Jen Shaw's not. I mean, maybe Jen Shaw's just like not about the bullshit. And honestly, if you were loyal to Jen Shaw, I think Jen Shaw would walk off a cliff for you. You know what I mean? She really is maybe the best friend there. She just can't take bullshit. You know, and I think we're seeing a different side of Jen Shaw at the reunion. She's she's more subdued, and I'm excited to see what we get from Jen. I there's people who who don't like Jen, and I'm like, we need her around. I I want to see what she does next season. I need to know. Yeah, I really like Jen. I mean, Mary makes me laugh, obviously. I mean, Mary is really, we t- we say crazy a lot. Mary is actually unhinged from reality, like a swinging door, like just, just like what? There was um, a point, a point in the reunion where Andy was like trying to get an answer from her and th- like, there's no way to get an actual answer out of her. It's like, uh, it's a lot of talking in circles and normally Andy, cause I've been watching all these shows forever. Normally he'll press until he gets the answer. But I felt like at a, at a certain point, this reunion, he's just like, okay, we're moving on. <laughs> well, he knows how to ask questions. Like as somebody who's done reality TV a few times, the good story producers know how to ask questions where they get you to answer it on your own terms. So you don't feel interrogated. So he'll be like, what's your response to that? Instead of being like, did that make you mad? Like he'll he'll give you an opportunity mm-hmm. to go either way. Interesting. You know, uh, Trixie, what are you thinking of Beverly Hills now? You're starting from the beginning. I saw on your Instagram you were posting Kim Richards, who I I love Kim Richards. I just um well you know I've seen the newest seasons like I've seen like you know the drama with the dog from 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 the Vanderpump dog that got given back. I've seen like that kind of stuff. I've seen Denise Richards leaving, whatever. But now I'm watching from the beginning. It's just crazy. Like, 
the the way that Kim Richards' hardcore pill and alcohol problem was just not addressed for like a season and a half was like, what? What? I mean, listen, as somebody who works very intimately with drug addicts, I was just like, um, I've been there where there's an elephant in the room, but like, oh my God. Right, right. That bitch is nuts. I mean, there were scenes back in the day where she was in the limousine with that boyfriend and she's she's pulling tissue out of the trash and using it. It's like, there's clearly something going on, but that no one's willing to address. Like, yeah, it's so, yeah. It's, it's also uh, crazy because um, I'm good friends with Lisa, uh, Lisa Vanderpump, but I met her on Overserved, obviously, when I, I just did Overserved, her new show. And we we really hit it off. And I was just writing yesterday. I was on a long run yesterday and she called me out of the blue, which was so, she was like, I got both vaccinations. You need to come over. Um, but I'd never seen Housewives. So it's one of those things where I don't want to offend anyone by not by, by letting them know, like, hey, I've never seen the shows you've been on for 10 years. But by the time I met Lisa, she had already left Bravo. So I don't think she cared that I I didn't know anything about right. her show. Yeah, I think she was over it by the time she left. I'm, I I feel like she's probably happy. And now she's got the new show. How was that filming Overserved? Oh, it was really cool. I was really nervous because actually rich people make me so nervous. Because, you know, like whatever reality TV cross-dresser money is one thing, but like Lisa Vanderpump money is quite another. Um, so I did the episode and Iggy and I keep calling um, Lisa our rich friend. Oh. But which is so funny as if Iggy is living in a box in the street. <laughs> She's like, that's our rich friend. I'm like, okay, Iggy. Uh, like you don't have any money. Got it. Not to uh, harp on Bravo, but just one more city. What did you think of Potomac this most recent season? There was a lot of Candace Oh my Monique. God, that was crazy. I mean, I just feel, I guess I always thought that all these shows were going to be very anti-women. I know that's judgmental, but watching them, I'm like, especially like Potomac, I'm like, well, where else on television do I see black, rich, educated women? Mm-hmm. You don't. I mean, you just don't. So watching Potomac, watching these women with like kind of a lot of integrity each go to a place of like swinging. That fight was crazy. The fight was the fight was teased the whole season. And you're like, oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be fierce. And then when it happened, there was no editing, no lighting, no comedy special effects. It was actually disturbing. Like, right. whoa, some of these women really hate each other. It was so intense. It was so, so intense. intense. And then Monique running around that barn to come out the front to try to hit her again. And then later on to be like, I don't even remember it. It's like, mm, no, you just, you do remember it. Yeah. And James, and then, James, the producer holding the door shut, trying to not let her out of the sight. was Cause you know, reality TV, I've worked with so many people like that, you know, gay men in their thirties who are in top, who are story production. I couldn't imagine grabbing one of their hands. Please don't do this, Monique. Please don't do this. And she's like, she let go of the door. Like, she's going to kill him, too, if he doesn't let go. That was crazy. That was crazy. You mentioned uh, not seeing this on TV, and I always say that. And even in the scripted world, it's rare to see women who are going through divorces and who raising their kids and owning businesses. And and we've we've seen death on these shows. And we've really dealt with a lot of stuff. And unfortunately, as much as I would like to see those things in scripted television for women over 40, over 50, over 60, it's not happening. Um, right now. And so we do get that on Housewives. And I think that's an amazing thing to see women uh, in their 60s talking about sex. On New York, we'll we'll see Ramona talking about sex or dating. And it's like, 
we're not seeing scripted women in their sixties. Yeah. Uh, Ramona being a Ramona, like standing up at a bar or a restaurant and taking a lap with her tits out, trying to pick up like a 30 year old man. It's amazing. Love it. Love it. I have 60, I have 60 girlfriends. I'm going to have a party for all my girlfriends. <laughs> She is like so much. And then I love when she's in a fight with someone and it's two-way mad. And then Ramona gets over things very quickly. So then she'll just go, you know, no, even if it's her fault, she'll go, you know what? I don't want to do this. I forgive you. And they're still mad. And she grabs them and kisses them on the face. And they're like, like still pissed. It's so <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Ramona had that mon- mon- uh, that uh, whole speech last season where she's like, I just want a man to love me and hold me and everything. It was just like that. I just want a man to love me and hold me and make me feel good at night. I watched it so many times. It's a monologue for the ages. Yeah. And me watch, I mean, honestly, I had to like basically issue, I had to open up the notes app and make an apology YouTube video to my boyfriend because all these years I was like, why are you watching? That is such a weird thing to be into. Why are you watching this? You are so weird. And now in quarantine, watching all of that, I've really had a reality TV renaissance because I also didn't have cable as a teen. So I missed things like The Simple Life. Oh, wow. Um, Flavor of Love. I Love New York. Newlyweds. You never saw Newlyweds? Uh, no. No. Wow. Wow, so I'm watching a lot of that stuff for the first time and it's, it's all great. Um, you mentioned your YouTube channel and sort of liking things. I You did a whole series on Barbies. So I put my most prized position is my Rosie O'Donnell Barbie. Oh, yeah. Iconic. I don't actually uh, don't even have that one. I got it at a flea market very recently, but she's in her nice pantsuit. Um, it's kind of a great doll. It really does look like her. Do you have a fa- I know you did this whole series on your YouTube channel. Do you have a favorite Barbie? Yeah, I mean, God, it's really hard to say. I mean, I have some favorites. I really love Color Magic Barbie from 60, I think it's 64. Um, she is, no, I take it back. Malibu, honestly, I know it's kind of tired, but her in that long straight hair with the blue swimsuit with the super tan skin with these big lashes, she just looks like Marsha Brady. And I just think she is so chic. It's funny, I have all these, I have this huge doll collection, you know, and she's probably one of the least exciting looking comparatively, but I just think she is so beautiful. She yeah. looks like Maureen McCormick. She looks like Marsha Brady. Did you play with, when you were a kid, were you a collector as a kid or did it start when you were older? I wasn't allowed to play with dolls when I was a kid. So I think that's why as an adult making Trixie, she's sort of this like, I don't know, taking back the night kind of character for me. Cause I wasn't allowed to like these things. So um, as an adult, being able to draw all the inspiration from these things, it's nice. Would you mind me asking, when you say you weren't allowed to like these things, what do you mean by that? Well, I wouldn't say like my mom or anything ever said like, don't like that, it's a girl's toy. Um, but I think like I, being from a small town, I could tell like, I'm not supposed to want this, so I'm not gonna ask for it, that kind of thing. Right. And I'm sure I would have gotten like a Barbie if I would have asked. I remember one year I asked for a Barbie and my mom got me a Ken, and I think that was the compromise. Um, yeah, not the same. Not, not the, the same. same. And I mean, I just fucked that Ken all the time. So yeah. it's like, that didn't make me less gay. You're going to give me a tan, blonde, muscled guy whose clothes come <laughs> off to teach me to not be gay. Interesting. Um, so I I really liked, uh, I loved Barbies and I loved Polly Pocket and My Little Pony. 
I just knew like that wasn't, I wasn't allowed to have that. So. So in your book, I was reading, you talk a little bit about the creation of Trixie and the inspiration. Can you tell people what's the inspiration pop culture wise, um, who inspires Trixie? Well, there was a lot of like early moments that were very, um, they imprinted on me with like beauty and, and women and characters and the like vulnerability and strength. Um, and stupidity. And for me, it was like the Peg Bundy of the world, her walking in with the wig, the obvious wig and the tits and the animal print, like, ow, like that sort of affected, like energy, like submissive, but like very powerful at the same time. Um, Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. It's like that blonde bubble wig with like the blue eyelid with the, the cut crease, like a line in the crease. Her, she was big. Barbie was obviously big. Um, and I would say those Spice Girls when I was young, I mean, I just, I wanted to be Baby Spice. I just wanted to be Baby Spice. And then I would say going into teenhood, that's when I discovered like Rocky Horror. And like, obviously Frankenfurter was a, that was a, I didn't even really know what a drag queen was. And then going into college, seeing like Hedwig for the first time. And like, be, I remember being 19 or so, 18 or 19 and like seeing a picture of Lady Bunny on like a Google search for drag queen and being like, oh, and then seeing a picture of Amanda Lepore and being like, oh, Amanda was really the one where I was like, oh my God, like that, Amanda changed my like idea of what beauty could be. This like completely other dimension level of glamour. Um, and so like, I think with, with Lady Bunny and Amanda, I was always kind of like, I want to, I want to be somewhere in the middle of that. Like, and then loving Barbie so much. Um, that was a good place for me as like a 19, 20 year old, you know, I didn't know anything about fashion or women's clothing or anything. I didn't know the difference between control top pantyhose and thigh highs. You know, I didn't know anything. So having a Barbie to reference to, I mean, you have decades of looks all on the same proportion the same hair color the same so it was like kind of like the, the the template the blueprint of like um women in history sort of you know right is it weird now to be on the other side of that you said uh, these queens who inspired you and now you're inspiring so many young people what's that like um are you able to process that does that make sense it is crazy that yeah because you know for drag queens i'm 31 which isn't old but in drag world that's fully 70 because everybody with good sense quits drag by like 25 because there's no money in it. And there's, it's just a lot of hangovers and it's a great way to have no men in the club ever have sex with you. Oh my gosh. You know, I think people forget that drag was not cool or lucrative until honestly, maybe eight years ago, you know, maybe. Right. Right. And then maybe it was actually lucrative and actually respected. Maybe when it switched over to VH1 on TV, like five years ago, mm-hmm. But it is crazy to think of these baby drag queens um, knowing who I am or like having any sort of influence. I don't think about it much, honestly. Yeah, Probably a good yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, I just know I, I had reached out to people to see if they had any questions for you. And it was just the I had gotten so many people who who just said let to let you know what an inspiration you are to them and uh, inspiring them to do drag or to be themselves even. Um, and, and it's sort of a heavy thing emotionally. Uh, yeah. I, I do get a lot of the DMS. Um, you know, you got me to start drag. I mean, there's been heavy stuff. People will be like, 
a guy came to a show and said, I'm here. Um, I have an empty seat because my wife and I bought tickets to see you like a year ago and she died of cancer and uh. she just had her MacBook and she was pretty much watching you on YouTube, like through treatment through the end. And I was just uh. like, Oh my God. So sometimes it's heavy stuff like that. Or, you know, people know I've joke a lot about some of the domestic abuse or sexual abuse I've gone through and people will get so personal so quickly. They'll come to the meet and greet at like 2 a.m. And then like, um, I was going to kill myself. And then I saw you drive like that level. And you're just like, Ugh. it's a lot. Do you want me to sign something? Right, you know, right. like, do you want me to, do you want me to sign your trucker hat? <laughs> I don't really know what to say. In moments like that, do you ever, I don't know if regret's the right word, but do you ever feel like maybe you shouldn't have been so open about those things? Or does it, does it make you feel like, oh, wow, I'm glad this person can relate to me in that way? No, the only time I feel weird about it is if people, I don't really care if people get offended by me at all, but I don't like when people get mad at me, especially when I'm joking about something that I actually have really gone through. Right. It's, and especially, you know, you have a, a brief moment with that person. It's hard to really even get into a dialogue. It's really just about letting them say whatever they want to say. Because, right. you know, I started lip syncing on weeknights at 1 a.m. for men in their 30s and 40s. And now I perform probably half the audience is women under 25. Yeah. So the demographic has really changed, but the material hasn't. Right. Like I'm still as awful, rotted, gutted dark as I've ever been, you know, if I make a joke about wanting to kill myself, it's not because I think suicide, it's funny. It's because I have at a time thought about killing myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess, especially since I play another person, Trixie is not an American citizen. She doesn't have a social security number. She's not, she doesn't have a dentist. She doesn't have an address. I really feel comfortable going really anywhere with that. So I don't really, I don't know. I didn't get started. I didn't start cross-dressing for everybody to like me. Right. I mean, come on. Half the country thinks I should be killed for wearing a wig in the first place. You know? Yeah, I mean, forget that because yeah. drag is on TV and it looks so cool and accepted. But like people truly would kill us if they could get away with it. People hate cross-dressers. People hate, you know, it wasn't long ago, drag queens, trans people, the world saw us as the same thing and the world hated all of us. It's weird how the uh, world's terms change, but the uh, art of drag really doesn't, you know? Right. It's been fascinating. I know there's been a lot of criticism, especially when the show moved to VH1 of like, is it too mainstream? And, and, and people felt uh, LGBT people and uh, felt an ownership over the show that now it's to a wide audience. But at the same time, I, I, I think it's been RuPaul and a lot of Queens have said, well, it also opens up the Queens to a bigger audience and hopefully accepting drag Queens more. And uh, it's been an interesting evolution of the show to watch it. Yeah, it has. And honestly, I just, I think people need to remember the bigger the show gets, Drag Race, we're talking about Drag Race, obviously, what the drag queens are doing in the real world is not necessarily what you see on TV. Mm. And that's just, I always kind of feel the, there's the weird push and pull of that. Of like, of course, we all want more people to see us. Um, and we want more, you know, butts in the seats. We all want a vacation home in the Hamptons if we could afford it. I guess it's just that weird thing of can we have people come because they found drag on TV and they like it and still like it for what it is on its own terms in the real world when they see someone drinking pee on stage or stapling money to themselves or, you know, doing, doing really sh shocking things. Are you watching drag race right now? 
Yeah, because I recap the pit stop on the RuPaul's Drag Race YouTube channel. So I get to watch it in advance. So I'm like probably a couple episodes ahead of you guys. Who who are you liking? Who are you? Can you give me some thoughts on the season? What are you thinking? Um, I mean, Olivia owns my whole ass. I just love her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think she's so great and beautiful and funny and talented. She just won another challenge. Um, she's my fave. Um, okay, so I have some questions that people wrote in. Uh, you just did a, a cover of the Violent Femmes song, Blister in the Sun. Have they heard it? Is there, uh, this person, Le- Leanne Stewart, wants to know what song you're dying to cover next. Oh, I have. that's a great question. The Blister in the Sun, uh, the Violent Femmes have said nothing, which is so funny because they're from Milwaukee, and I wouldn't say that they're extremely famous right now. Yeah, um, they should have responded. It. They should have tweeted it. They should have... Loved it. It was, it's fantastic. They said nothing, which is so crazy. Um, and then when I did video games earlier last year, Lana Del Rey said nothing, which was so, I, I don't do it to get a yeah, person yeah. to say, wow. But I just think it's funny. Like Lana Del Rey's hit song from 12 years ago was on the charts again because of me. And I'm like, I can't believe she didn't say anything. Right. I can't believe That's she didn't weird. at least say like, so cool to see my song charting again or whatever. Said nothing. That's weird. Um, Another song I love to cover. I was just listening to um, the original version of I Think We're Alone Now. Uh, a classic. Yeah, I think it's Tommy and the Shondells or whatever. I really want to do that version. That'd be great. Uh, let's see. Uh, Alma wants to know, how do you feel about the closing of Flaming Saddles? You also, um, I want to mention the This Is It bar in Milwaukee. You're um, working with them. Can you explain that? And then also, uh, how are you feeling about these safe spaces for for the LGBT, they're closing right now during the pandemic. How are you feeling about all that? Well, I think Flaming Saddles closed, Gym Bar, Mickey's, Precinct is still doing a GoFundMe because they're having problems. I think something like six gay bars have permanently closed, not just closed because of COVID, permanently closed. It's just sad. It really makes you realize like, I don't know, Lady Bunny used to talk about how like Grinder was killing gay bars and gay bars used to be like a place where gays would go meet and now the bars are suffering because gay people don't go there anymore. And then it, I guess no one realized that all these gay bars are a few paychecks away from not having the money to be open. And I think we all think gay bars are like these monuments or historical or rich. A gay bars like to present as like glossy and rich. Mm-hmm. I guess nobody realized all, I mean, even Mickey's think of Mickey's as like an institution closed. I mean, yeah, it's hard to even grasp, but I think right now, since we're still in it and not really able to go many places, but it's like, you know, once we get out of this, it, it is going to be so strange to not be able to go to these places that we've all. Yeah. I mean, this is it. My bar in Milwaukee, I started working on this partnership like three years ago. So I didn't buy this bar as a response to COVID, um, this deal has like been going on for a long time. I just, you know, gay bars have afforded me like such a wonderful life. All my dreams have come true. I own multiple homes. I've been around the world a million times. And I just feel like if there's an opportunity for me to, to be a part of that and like preserve it, it's like, honestly, it's going to take people that the gay community have given all their money to. It's going to take them giving the money back in the form of buying bars for this to work. I think I'm going to be the first of many. I think I hope so. I have a bunch of divas. I want to run through some divas. If you could just tell me your favorite song of that theirs. Okay, and if I don't if I don't know it, I'm I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna tell you that. Just pass or tell me to fuck off. Yeah, because um, I don't know a lot of this music. 
It's so okay. let's go. Let's try. Uh, f- favorite Mariah Carey song? I don't even know one. Tracy. <laughs> How Wait dare a minute. you? You got to know a Mariah. You know, all I want for Christmas is you. You got to oh, know. Oh, sure. A, that, that, that. Fa- fantasy, always be my baby. I mean, there's a million. That, all I want for Christmas is you. Dolly. Oh, come on. There's so many good ones. God, I love her ballads so much. I love Wildflowers. I'm going to pick a ballad. And I love um, Blue Smoke. Blue Smoke climbing up the mountain. That one is so good. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Uh, Celine Dion. Uh, if you want more, no here's your mouth. Is that a Celine Dion song? That's the way it is. Yeah. That's yeah, the that's song. the way it is. Yeah. I like that. So good. Uh, Britney. Britney's, I mean, I don't know. It's really hard to beat Toxic. But I think Womanizer is so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. But Toxic is really the one. I mean, I think that's like one of the best pop songs ever. Uh, Beyonce. Oh, I know this is like kind of a throwback, but If I Were a Boy is so beautiful. Also, also Lady Gaga, Telephone. I know that's technically not a Beyonce song, but no, and I've heard that Lady Gaga doesn't like that song and that she doesn't really do it in concerts. That is like one of my favorite Lady Gaga songs. Icons, I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have a favorite? Is there a diva that like your is your number one? Yeah, but they're probably not. They're probably 
not everybody's divas. I, I mean, I love Debbie Harry so much. And I love the Go-Go's so much. I love Belinda Carlisle. And I love the B-52s. Cindy Wilson and Kate Pearson, to me, are just everything. Yeah. Um, their voices are so amazing. And they're in these wigs. I mean, come on. Dolly, obviously. She probably doesn't count. Amy Mann is, is a big one for me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay, I ask everyone, their sexiest man alive. Like, if you were choosing for People Magazine, who would you choose? God. Oh, that's so hard. I mean, Paul Rudd is pretty much up there, I think, always and forever for everyone. I love Josh. Um, I know that I'm a little bit damaged, but watching, I'm in season four of Housewives now, so they just introduced Vanderpump, and um, Jax could trample the shit out of me. Uh, you'll change your mind if you were to watch the rest. My boyfriend said that I would change my mind, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah. Specifically, I've been asking a lot of my guests, you know, we're going through a hard time and everyone's struggling in different sort of ways. Is there a bit of advice that you hold on to during tough times that you could maybe share with people before you go? I mean, this is kind of lame, but everything is temporary. All the bad things we're going through are temporary and all the good things that you currently actively in this moment taking for granted are temporary. So like I have this thing where I, I remind myself that someday my boyfriend's going to die to remind myself that like, mm, I don't need to work tomorrow. I should hang out with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I appreciate that. I know that's that. dark, but I just need to remind myself like my mom's going to die. My, my brother's going to die. My, my boyfriend's going to die. And like remind myself that everything is like so temporary and somebody could have like an aneurysm tomorrow and just try to remember how temporary everyone is here and try to spend more time with people. I love that. I'm really antisocial and I literally just canceled on Brooklyn Heights last night to go out for happy hour because I'm antisocial. Self-care. I watched uh, The Housewives, so. I, I could talk to you about Housewives forever. Uh, <laughs> can you promote whatever you need to promote and uh, tell people where they can find you on social media, all of that good stuff. Okay, uh, you can check me out on TrixieMattel.com on my YouTube channel. You can buy from Trixie Cosmetics, my book, Trixie and Katya's Guide to Modern Womanhood, my album, Barbara, with my single, Blister in the Sun, is out, my podcast, The Bald and the Beautiful. You can watch Uh every week on the Wild Presents Network. You can catch me on The Pit Stop, recapping RuPaul's Drag Race every week. You can catch me on Netflix, watching uh, Queens Who Like to Watch. We just watched I Care A Lot, and that movie was crazy. And... Um, that's about it. If you've missed all of those, that's then you about it. actively avoid it. That's about it. Are you fucking tired? You must be exhausted. I don't get tired. Yeah. But um, if you've missed all of those, you've you've blocked me per- out. You've, you've actively blocked me. <laughs> At this point, I'm just trying to like weasel into every crevice. I will watch you and follow you to the ends of the earth. Thank you so much for just taking the time. This was truly such a pleasure for me. Thank you. Turn it back.